0: welcome to the podcast of C3 Los Angeles. I'm Jake Sweetman, and together with my wife, Nicole, we lead this church. We're glad you're here, and we pray that wherever you're tuning in from, that you are encouraged and strengthened by this word. Here's today's message. Our word for the year is overflow. Everybody say overflow. Our prayer and plan is to overflow, particularly in the areas of evangelism and discipleship and in practicing the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, it might sound odd to you to plan for overflow, but our conviction, our belief, is that if we are faithful to engage in the things that God asks us to do, that if we remain committed to the things that God graces us to do, then God will do, in His perfect timing, what He can do, which is to bring growth, which is to bring increase, and to bring uh, overflow. And so we're in this place where we're aiming at overflow. And as I wrap up this series today, in the service of themes, of vision, and faith that are certainly going to characterize the next few weeks going into Vision Builders and heading into those two services, uh, I want to share with you some, let's call this, let's call it some uncommon thoughts on a more common proverb. Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Now different, mo- different things come to uh, the mind of each of us when we hear about the subject of vision. Depending on who you are, what your personality is like, uh, maybe depending upon the experiences that you've had uh, with vision. Some of of us think of vision boards filled with pictures of like dream vacations and dream homes and top 10 must-have qualities of your dream spouse. Must have, got to have them. At least six foot one, although you can't even give them time of day. You should throw that one out. Be a little flexible. Maybe God has a guy for you that's five foot six. There's no problem with that. Just saying, just putting that out there. Others of us, when we think about vision, uh, maybe we think of like corporate vision statements that adorn the foyer of the company in which we work, that, like, nobody even pays attention to. It's just, what does it say again? Ah, yeah. Uh, Maybe, I don't know who's in the room, but maybe when you think of vision, you think of some drug-induced quest in the wilderness. Like, I don't know. Some people think about that. They call it a vision quest. It's a thing. I don't know who's in the room. I hope we would be reaching those kinds of people. Maybe within the, the context of faith, we think of vision as something that we come up with on our own. And then we invite God into it after the fact. And we don't really know what that means, except that maybe one, we should pray for God to bless it. Uh, Two, we should kind of turn and acknowledge God every now and then and make sure that he doesn't uh, disapprove of any of the things that we're doing. And three, we should regularly remember that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Double the points if you post it as a quote on Instagram. Maybe for you, the last couple of years has made vision seem like the most ridiculous thing on the planet. Like, why would I plan anything? Right? Like, it's just the world is going to come in and just drop bombs on my plans. Maybe for you, it's not that at all. Maybe maybe you kind of think of vision as a little bit antithetical to just like living in simple obedience to the Word of God. No matter what your thoughts are as it relates to the subject of vision today, this proverb has something to say to every single one of us. Now, if you've hung around uh, churches that have a propensity for big thinking or a missional mindset, then you've probably heard uh, this proverb talked about, uh, particularly around the importance of just vision as people generally understand it. And usually preached out of the King James Version, where there is no vision, people perish, is what that says. And the simple truth of that message is that people fall into disarray for lack of vision. Spouses drift apart, organizations lose their way, churches get off track, families fracture. Because without vision, without having a clear picture of where a group of people are headed, it is almost inevitable that the sum of the parts will equal something far less powerful, far less effective than had they reached if those parts were united under a common vision. And that message of course is true and you can find it in 101 leadership books and you can digest it and it will tell you that if you want to succeed in your professional life, in your personal life then you must have a vision. It would also be true to say that that is kind of a biblical concept to think about vision in that way. Like I was reminded this week of God's call to Abraham where he said come out from inside your tent and look up to the stars innumerable so that God could communicate to Abraham what he wanted to do through his life. And if that's not God affirming the value of vision and providentially using it to move Abraham forward in life, then I don't know what is. But here's the really important part. The vision was God-given. It wasn't something Abraham dreamed up on his own. He was actually responding to what God said to do In fact, here's the key. Ultimately, our vision, all of our faith for the future that we see should be in response to what God has revealed about His will, as opposed to something that we just personally, really want to happen. And therein lies the importance of understanding what Proverbs 29:18 really says, because it isn't simply talking about vision as it's commonly understood by Christians and non-Christians alike. That's part of it. It is. Don't, let like, go find the next Christian you meet who's all passionate about their vision for life and then clobber them over the head with the scripture. <laughs> like, the overflow of what we're talking about today it is, it is vision for your life, but it's also bigger than just that. And it's better than just that. And if our understanding of biblical vision is... Uh, nothing more than how it's usually talked about, them. really what we have is just a Christian version of a five-year plan. And God has something better for you than just a Christian baptized version of a five-year plan. And I want to be really clear, I'm pro-planning, pro-goal setting. I am for you, having a plan and a vision for your career path, your business, your family, whatever it is that God has entrusted to you to steward, you should plan for it. But we have to be careful not to pursue all of that independently of God's ultimate purposes. Because that's how we end up living with this kind of dualistic, unhelpful, unbiblical, sacred, secular divide going on in our lives. And our lives kind of consist of like church and then everything else. And I think it's also why we end up frustrated a lot of the time because even when we accomplish what we envisioned for ourselves and we succeed in that, ultimately our Christianity was just an awkward appendage stuck onto it. And that means no matter how successful we get, we're always going to feel a little bit awkward because the thing that's supposed to be informing and defining the entirety of our lives is nothing more than a third arm. And it doesn't matter how good looking that third arm is, doesn't matter how good your church life feels, a third arm is always going to feel awkward because that's all a third arm can really be is awkward. The solution is in understanding what the proverb actually says and how it's connected to having the perspective of the Holy Spirit as we go about our lives. So, first off, it's helpful. It's helpful to understand the difference between what the King James Version calls just vision and what other translations nuance out a little bit more as either revelation or our translation today uh, calls it prophetic vision. And here's the deal. God doesn't just want you to engage in vision. God wants you to engage in prophetic vision. And prophetic vision is vision that comes from God. It's revelation that comes from God. So this is the difference. Vision is a product of your own mind. But prophetic vision genuinely comes from the Lord. And that means that prophetic vision is an experience deeply connected with being in relationship to the Holy Spirit, where we hear from Him and are led by Him. This is what makes prophetic vision far better than just vision, is that it actually is born in the mind of God and transmitted to your gut. At the risk of sounding a little Christian cliche, your vision might be a good idea, but God's vision is a God idea. But if it is cliche, usually things that are cliche is because they are true. And God has something better for you than than just your vision for life. Now when this proverb says prophetic vision, it's literally talking about the vision of the prophets in Israel. Like Isaiah, Zechariah. Amos. It's, it's talking about the vision of prophets. And their prophetic function was unique to ours. Uh, for starters, they wrote scripture. You and I, we don't do that. If you come up to me after the service and say, hey, I wrote some scripture to add onto the book, I'll say you are crazy. <laughs> so our prophetic function is not the same as theirs. In the same way that the New Testament apostles, who were the counterpart of the Old Testament prophets, wrote scripture their authority was different and although none of us hold the office of old testament prophet or new testament apostle the fact remains that the same holy spirit who spoke to them about the kingdom of god now literally fills every single follower of jesus on the planet and that means that you and i shouldn't just expect to experience prophetic vision you and i should actually expect to live a prophetic life when the New Testament says that the Holy Spirit is the down payment upon our eternal inheritance, and that's what the New Testament says, that the Holy Spirit has been given to believers as the down payment of their future, their eternal inheritance. When the, when the New Testament talks about that, it means that the Holy Spirit is the present experience of your future reality. The Holy Spirit is the presence of a heavenly kingdom. And if the Spirit of God is the down payment on our future reality, then that means that life, a life that is filled with and led by the Holy Spirit is by nature prophetic. Because he's the down payment of something that you get to see. But he's here with you now. Which means just having the Holy Spirit in your life means that you by nature should lead a life that is prophetic, that points to something in the future. It should be a life that literally foreshadows a reality that has yet to fully come into the earth. And the way that our lives foreshadow that is through encounters with the Spirit. Through prayer, maybe through ministry, through however God calls and gifts you to serve. Maybe it's just revealing the nature of God. One of the outcomes of the Holy Spirit is that you and I bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That we have love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Things that are antithetical to your corrupted human nature. Things that belong in heaven yet manifest in the earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a prophetic way of living. It points to something that you can't see and touch and feel around you all the time. But it's real there and so it is manifested here through the power of the Spirit. You see, prophetic vision in a prophetic life is about announcing and displaying what God is doing and what God desires. In the Bible, prophecy is not just about foretelling; it's about forthtelling. Foretelling is speaking of the future. Forthtelling is it's making public what God desires for the present. So, prophecy in, in the scriptural sense is future, but it's also now. Eugene Peterson in the Message Translation paraphrases Proverbs 29:18 this way. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. The implication is that you and I are simultaneously to pay attention to what God is doing currently and to what he's already revealed in the scripture. And the two will always be perfectly in alignment with one another. In other words, this is how a a New Testament person, a follower of Jesus is supposed to live. You're supposed to have a dynamic, living, breathing relationship with the God of the universe. And you're supposed to have an unbending commitment to what he's already said. And those things come into harmony with one another. So that he'll never lead you in a direction that goes against what he's already directed. Now, in comparison to ancient Israel... Uh, God has revealed more to us now than He had to them then. He's revealed to you infinitely more than He revealed to Isaiah. God has revealed to you eternally more than He did to Moses. Because you and I are living on the other side of the cross and the resurrection. We have the gospel, not just the law. We have the fulfillment of so many promises, not just the promises themselves. We have the blood of Jesus, not just the blood of sacrificial animals. We have the New Testament, not just the Old Testament, which means we see the entirety of God's overarching plan. We don't know every single detail, sure, but we know enough about what God has already done, about what God is going to do so that we can, in faith, pursue Him for what He would have us do in the here and the now. And we have the Holy Spirit to help us every single step of the way. And this is the experience of a life that is characterized by prophetic vision. This is also why belonging to the local church, why belonging to the body of Christ is so essential to your own personal dynamic relationship with God. Because we all have blind spots. I can't see what's behind me right now, but you can. I can see what's behind you, but you can't. We all have blind spots and so we can't possibly think that any one of us can perfectly discern what the Spirit is saying to us apart from doing that as a community endeavor. Where I see what you don't see because you've got proclivities that I know are going to cause you to to hear the Spirit wrongly, or maybe even corrupt what the Spirit is saying. And I've got people in my world who help me discern what is the Spirit of God saying for our church? What is the Spirit of God saying for my family? You need to be in a local church, a body of Christ, because listening to the Spirit of God is a community endeavor. Hearing a prophetic revelation for your life is a community endeavor. Examples of this all throughout the New Testament. I think of the Jerusalem Council. I think it's in Acts chapter 15 where the Apostle Paul had been out in the Roman Empire, been preaching the gospel. All these non-Jews were coming to faith in Christ, and they're trying to figure out, oh, what expectations do we want to put upon them in terms of how they live? And so they get together. This is the very first church council before we even get out of the first century, and they're talking about uh, the way in which they want Gentiles to live, and they come to agreement on a couple of different things. And this is how uh, they describe that process. They write a letter to the Gentile churches that Paul's going to take. This is how they describe the process. They say, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Very good. Wonderful. We prayed, we fasted, we sought, and it seemed good to the Holy Spirit, and it seemed good to us. This is what we're going with. Listening to the Spirit of God was an endeavor that they embarked upon together. Now the apostles needed to do that. Why would you think that you are so perfect at it that you could do it all on your own? We are supposed to hear. And this is the kind of stuff that's meant to be characteristic of the church age that we are living in right now. The time in between the first coming and the second coming of Jesus. You see, when the Holy Spirit fell upon the church uh, in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, just 10 days after Jesus ascended to heaven, the Apostle Peter stood up and he addresses the crowd that has gathered around the church. This is what he says to them in Acts chapter two, verses sixteen to eighteen. He says, "But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. This experience of the Holy Spirit filling the church this was prophesied by the prophet Joel, a Jewish prophet." And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will, listen to this, pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. So in other words, the Holy Spirit comes upon the entire church to engage in a prophetic kind of life. The giving of the Holy Spirit to the church means widespread prophetic vision amongst God's people. Now the Apostle Peter and the prophet Joel aren't describing something like what the Apostle Paul would later go on to describe in 1 Corinthians as the gift of prophecy. That's a more specific thing that some Christians will have and others will not. The point that they're making is that every single Christian would be filled with the Holy Spirit just as the Scriptures promised. And this would amount to every believer engaging in a life that is supernatural and prophetic in nature because it involves a dynamic relationship with the Spirit who wants to speak to them about the kingdom. But more than that, who wants to empower them for the kingdom and bringing the kingdom into the earth. That's the kind of relationship that's available to you and I. A buddy of mine, recently in the last couple of years, planted a church uh, in Seattle, Washington. Prior to that, he was in San Diego. And he felt like God was calling him and his wife and their children to move to Seattle uh, and plant a church. One night, he had a dream. And in the dream, he walked into this church building in Seattle. This is while they were still living in San Diego. He walked into this church building, and the church building is completely empty. And so he's walking around the church and he's asking God, why is the church empty? He walks out of the church uh, and in front of the church in the parking lot, he's asking God why the church is empty. Then all of a sudden the devil appears to him in the dream and there's a chessboard. And he sits down he 's playing uh, he 's playing chess with the devil and he 's talking to the devil, and the devil begins to answer the question here 's why the church in seattle is empty it 's because I own all the different verticals of the city I own education, I own the government I own the church I own so and so and so and then he wakes up from this dream that was the, that was the, the dream that he had nine months later he had, At this point, he'd spoken to his pastors about moving to Seattle and planting a church. And nine months later, on the very last Sunday that they were in their church in San Diego, they had a guest speaker that day. And the guest speaker is sharing the message. At the end of the message, the speaker has an illustration. The illustration is a famous, apparently, piece of artwork of the devil playing chess with a man. And the name of the, of the piece of artwork is called Checkmate. Oh yeah, and by the way, in the dream, when he was playing chess with the devil, the devil made a move and said, Checkmate. So the name of this piece of artwork is called Checkmate. And the famous thing about the artwork is that if you study the picture close enough, the thing that you see is that the man has one move left. So that even though the devil has said Checkmate, it's a lie. That was his very last Sunday before moving to Seattle... This is the kind of life that you and I can expect to engage in and experience. You see, what I'm trying to show you today is what? It's the wisdom of living on another kind of plane. Another kind of field to the plane that the people around us in the world are living in. You see, the world lives by earthly wisdom. That that uh, wisdom that recognizes and engages only with, with what it can experience with the five senses. That's called a naturalistic worldview, and it limits a a person's awareness of life down to what they can physically sense alone. But you and I are meant to live according to a supernatural worldview, which means that we respond to things differently because we recognize that God is at work in unseen ways. Now you can't read the Bible and not at least acknowledge that there's a supernatural element to this whole kind of life. Yet how often do we go through our days giving intellectual assent to that reality but it has no bearing on the way that we practically live whatsoever. And This is why you can't just live by vision. You have to embrace the fact that you have the spirit of the eternal God alive on the inside of you who wants to lead you by prophetic vision. Let's borrow the vernacular of Paul. Let's walk by faith. And not by sight. This is the kind of life that you and I are supposed to live. Prophetic vision will spur you on to live in the truth of the scriptures. By the power of the Spirit. For the sake of God's love. Prophetic vision will help you understand the mind of God. Because the Spirit is connected to the mind of God, Paul says in Corinthians. And he knows all of God's thoughts towards you. Prophetic vision is what will keep you free from the entanglement of insecurity. Because you know what God is calling you to do, therefore you don't get caught up in comparing yourself to what God has called somebody else to do. And here's the most important thing that I'll say, and then I'll give you three quick takeaways and I'm all done. Because of the gospel, you and I actually can expect to engage in a prophetic vision that never closes. Colossians 1.26 says this about the gospel. That it is the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now. Everybody say now. Now. But now. Everyone say now. It was the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. So we have a permanent prophetic revelation of what God is doing through the gospel. In other words, Jesus is the will of God manifested, the plan of God manifested, that was once concealed but now has been revealed in order that you and I could live by that revelation. One commentator had this to say, reading Proverbs twenty nine eighteen from a New Testament perspective, he commented this, the gospel is an open vision which holds forth Christ. Because you have this word, you have been, God has revealed so much to you about what he's accomplished and about where this whole thing is headed. So you can actually engage with that, that revelation and allow it to make your life more prophetic because you know what's coming in a sense. And so you can live in a way that anticipates the future. Your life can be a mirror, a reflection of the eternal kingdom of heaven. Let me give you three quick little takeaways and then we'll wrap this message up. What does it mean to have prophetic vision? Number one, it means that you look from above. Living by a prophetic nature means that you have a vantage point that looks from above. In other words, you're choosing God's perspective. You're choosing to live with a God's eye view. Uh, Looking at our lives from above means that we will wind up asking, what can the things in my hand be for the kingdom of God? I love Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 in the message version. Paul says this, here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. Your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Friend, there is no Christian appendage here. This is your whole life offered up to God so that his vision of the kingdom can come through your life. And this is an invitation to take your dreams, to take your desires and submit them to God. The the, the heart of this message is not trashing your dreams. It's not getting rid of the things that you want to accomplish in life. It's taking those things and bringing them up under God's vision for how he wants to bring the kingdom of heaven into the earth. And you can do this. You can do it as a business owner. You can do it as a barista. You can do it as a bag boy at Trader Joe's. You can do it as a mom and a dad, a teacher, a preacher. Whatever it is that you are doing right now, you can bring it under God's vision. vision. And part of this is doing what Peterson rightly describes as recognizing what God wants you to do. Uh, In the ESV it says discern the will of God. How do I do that? I don't know. Start praying. Engage in a life of spiritual discipline. And just maybe God might talk to you. And when you feel like you're hearing from God, go to your neighborhood group and say, hey neighborhood group. I feel like God's saying this to me right now. And the person in your neighborhood will be like, oh, that's pretty good. You know what? This little piece, I don't think you're hearing that right. And then you, who's a really secure person, is going to go, thanks for giving me the honest feedback. Yeah. You're not going to get offended. Because you know that you don't hear perfectly, and God has placed you in that community for the purpose Of you walking with God together and experiencing the fullness of His vision coming to pass, not just through your life, but through our life together as a family of faith. I feel faith in this room right now. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3 says If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Friends, let me tell you something. That your old life is vanished. The only real life you have is the life that is hidden with Christ in God in the heavenly places. And that means that this is an invitation to start seeing from God's perspective. And this doesn't just change the way you view your own life. It changes the way you view their life too especially those in the church because guess what they also have died and their life is hidden with Christ in God so now I have the opportunity not to see them as I see them but to see them as God sees them the thing about prophetic vision is it always helps me to see who you aren't yet and you can see who I am not yet Which means that I am not going to wait for you to get better to begin encouraging you. I'm going to encourage you and then you will get better. Because that's the way prophetic vision works. It's looking from above. Number two, it looks to the future. If without vision people cast off restraint, they lose control, then that means that with vision people get focused. I would say primarily they get focused on meaning. They get focused on purpose. And when you get focused on the future, when you get focused on purpose, guess what you can do? what, Like Paul said, I, I let go of the former thing. I leave it behind and I press on towards the goal of the upward, upward call of Christ. And God, sometimes looking to the future in this sense uh, is genuinely something that God is showing you about the future. It could be prophetic like that. A buddy of mine pastors a pastor of the church in New York City and... Uh, Several years ago at this point, he had it in his heart, just really quietly, hadn't talked to very many people about it. He had it in his heart to plant three churches in three major cities in Europe. And we were at a conference together, and uh, there was a gentleman named Michael Maiden, who we've had in our church a couple of times. In fact, he's going to be with us towards the end of the year. Shh, don't tell anybody. I guess he can tell people. Pop surprise. Okay, anyway, so... So Michael Bend is prophesying over my friend, and as he's prophesying over he goes, there's three cities that you have in your heart in Europe, and your church is a key to revival in Europe. Yeah, so God was talking to him about the future. You and I should expect to have these kinds of experiences with God. If, if, If we really are embracing a supernatural worldview, and not just a naturalistic worldview, something that transcends our five senses. And if God is talking about that kind of stuff, he'll probably confirm it for you. Other times a prophetic kind of life isn't seeing the future it's just having such assurance of God's promises that you know how to live in the present. And so you're looking to the future in the sense that you know God is for you. And if God is for you then who can be against you and so you have the confidence and the courage to keep moving forward and you remain focused. This is the key. Because the outcome of prophetic vision is that you can look to the future and you have focus. That means that you develop the discipline of discernment. One of the most important disciplines that you can develop is the discipline of discernment. So that you can discern distraction. So that what might look like a good idea actually doesn't, doesn't come into God's plan. What might look shiny and attractive and something that you want to pursue, you check, you know, in prayer and you run it by your, your community. Is that, I don't know if that's for you or not. And so you develop the discipline of discerning when these are just distracting you. You see, destination equals focus plus time. You're not automatically going to get to that destination just by letting a whole bunch of time. you got to get, fo- even if you're off five degrees, you're going to end up. Like if I'm going from L.A. to New York and, my de- and I'm five degrees off, I'm going to end up in Greenland. There's nothing in Greenland. It's ice. The name is very paradoxical. I don't know if you've ever seen that on a map. It's a little geography lesson for you. (laughs) So prophetic vision will help you look to the future. And this is why, this is where the gift and the lifestyle come into alignment with one another. Is living under a prophetic voice. Because great preaching always has an edge of a prophetic, a prophetic edge to it. And so the prophetic voice is going to help you stay in alignment with the prophetic vision. That's another reason why it's so important that we're in church, that we're, we're submitting our lives to the, the preached Word of God because it just refreshes us in our focus. Number three, and I'm all done. Band, you guys can come. We can wrap this baby up. Prophetic vision looks for our faith. Always. If we live just by our vision alone, that may or may not require your faith to engage. Because sometimes our vision can be so small. But what I have found is that prophetic vision always looks for our faith. Prophetic vision has a stretch to it. It has to be the place where faith dwells. God's vision will be infinitely harder than your vision. It's bigger. It requires bigger thinking. It requires far more selflessness. And God's vision is far more rewarding But it's also far more challenging the the proof of that like you don't need to look any further than the great commission what does jesus say to a very small group of people go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations like you could just stop right there you don't need to read the rest of it it's like jesus that is way too hard You want us, this small company of people, to go into all the world and disciple the whole world? You want us to make sure the whole world hears about you? And this is why prophetic vision will always look for your faith. Because it requires faith. Why? Because it produces a gap between where you are and where God wants you to go. And what I have found is that human nature is to try and shrink that gap. Because we think success is getting to the other side as easily, and as neatly as possible. But Jesus will get in your boat with you, tell you that you are going to the other side, and then conveniently fall asleep right as a terrifying storm begins, so that you wake Him up in a panic, thinking that you're gonna die. And the only thing He says to you when He wakes up is, Where is your faith? Because I said we were going to the other side, but I did not say it was going to be easy. I did not say that it wasn't going to require you engaging with the supernatural God of the universe. You see this is the power of having a prophetic vision. It's to create a gap in which you were actually born to live. A gap in which you were actually born to thrive. Do you feel like you're dying? It's because you keep closing the gap. And God wants you to live in the gap where you're completely dependent upon Him. Let me just tell you, church, God is not interested in shrinking the vision. Like you can hear, all oh, cool, we're going to two servers, like, ah, is that a good idea? God is not interested in thinking small. God is only interested in fulfilling the vision that He has set for your life. God is only interested in fulfilling the vision that He has set for this church and for the church. And He's not going to shrink the vision just because you and I are a little bit uncomfortable with it. And if we shrink the vision and get to the other side, guess what? That's not success, it's failure. Success is living in the gap. Trusting in God. Sticking with the vision. Living by faith, not by sight. And, and that kind of trust, I don't know any other way to tell it to you other than it comes by embracing the reality that you are more than skin and bone. The eternal Spirit of God, and if you're a follower of Jesus, He lives in you. And He wants to talk with you. And He wants to lift you up so that you can see more than you can see. And have you engage with that kind of vision and that kind of life. Let's all stand at our feet. If you receive the Word, come on, let's give God one great big praise. <laughs> You've been listening to the C3 Los Angeles podcast. If you found today's message helpful, we encourage you to share it with a friend and consider rating it. If you'd like more information about our church or details on how to get connected to a neighborhood group, head to c3losangeles.com. We love you. Thanks for tuning in with us.